Hi, everyone. Welcome to the new Grief and Rebirth podcast, Rebirth Series, where I will be chatting with special, inspiring people who have grieved, met their challenges, chosen to heal, and have experienced the blessing of rebirth. This new Rebirth Series is inspired by a comment from my son made while I was on my healing journey after my precious husband died next to me in a tragic car accident. Mom, he said, there has been nothing worse than seeing you in total despair and nothing better than seeing you able to have joy again. From my heart, I wish this for each of you. Be sure to give a listen. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you today from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey, absolutely delighted to welcome speaker, writer, and dance sealer Paula Chambers to Grief and Rebirth podcast for the 12th inspiring interview in the Grief and Rebirth podcast Rebirth series. Paula will be speaking to us today from Studio City, California. Paula was raised in Los Angeles by an actress mom and filmmaker dad. She grew up steeped in show business and spent her 20s in that world, working as an assistant director in movies and television for five years. She changed careers at 29 and spent the next decade in graduate school, preparing to be an English professor, finishing her PhD in 2000 and becoming a grant writer while also managing an online community. Later, she presented and keynoted across the United States about the inner shifts that a PhD must make to change careers, most importantly, healing shame, discovering strengths, and taking charge. In 2010, Paula discovered Nia Technique Mindful Dance Fitness, fell in love with it, and was inspired to become a Nia Technique Mindful Dance Fitness Instructor. So in addition to her academic degrees, including a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Film, a Master of Arts in English, and a PhD in Rhetoric and Composition, Paula is a second degree black belt in Nia Technique and has taken every Nia training that exists. I'm looking forward to talking with Paula about her inner game of self-reinvention from developmental trauma to transformation and rebirth, how Nia Technique Mindful Dance Fitness helps her to sense her consciousness in every cell of her body, not just in her head, and the ways Nia can bring about both physical and emotional healing. And full disclosure, I took a class in Nia Technique Mindful Dance Fitness after I was widowed, and I not only enjoyed it immensely, but it also helped me with my own healing journey. Hi, Paula. A heartfelt welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Hi, Irene. I'm so pleased and honored to talk with you today. You help so many people with these illuminating, inspiring interviews. I'm honored to be included. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll just stop right here. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, Let's start with this question. Please tell us your story as a child of divorce and how the developmental trauma of your parents' divorce affected you even into adulthood. 
Yes, well, uh, I was an only child. And when I was four and five years old, I say that as a two year span of time, because when I was four was when my parents' marriage was falling apart. And when I was five is when they got divorced. So it really was a two year phenomenon for me, which when you are only five years old represents two fifths of your entire life. Right, I mean, <laughs> your developmental years. I mean, it's like, you know, very important time. That's right. A very important time. Four and five-year-olds are beginning to assert their independence and discover themselves. Uh, they're beginning to initiate activities and projects that were not initiated by the parent. They're, they're striking out on their own for the first time. And, and yet, they still are young enough to believe that everything that happens in the world is caused by them. The world is still centered around mm. the four or five-year-old, and yet he or she is beginning to strike out, just beginning to become independent from the parents. So that is a particularly vulnerable time to receive negative messages about yourself when you're that young. And my parents never gave me any negative messages, but they didn't need to. Because I was that age, I believed that I had caused their divorce. Of course, I did not cause it. If anything, I was a positive factor. If anything, they stayed together longer because of me, if anything. But experientially, subjectively, as a four and five-year-old, I could only receive the message that my world had fallen apart and it must be my fault. I so think some of that might have been also because you were an only child, would you say? Yes, that did amplify the pain quite a bit. And I think also another factor is that as it happens, both of my parents are very charismatic individuals. I mean, any child of that age is kind of in love with their parents, but my parents really are quite compelling. And so I think that made it all the more traumatic for me when they divorced. Um, so it, it affected my entire adult life because I was robbed of the opportunity to develop a healthy self-esteem and a healthy sense of independence, a healthy way of self-validating. And, you know, I try something and look, it had a good result. Oh, that was good, the thing, the thing that I tried. I was so distraught and so, uh, so just devastated that this terrible thing had happened in my world and I must be the cause, um, that I, my development of healthy self-esteem was significantly delayed. And looking back now that I just had my 60th birthday two weeks ago, it gives me, thank you, it gives me a wonderful, um, um, every decade that goes by, I look back and I understand more about why this, why that. I now understand why I was, uh, for example, promiscuous in my late teens and early 20s. Now I read an article recently that girls whose parents divorce when they're that age, they often are promiscuous at that later age. Textbook case. So many things I've read and learned about divorce as an adult have illuminated for me why that was such a big deal. Even though nobody yelled, nobody threw any teacups, nobody hit anybody, there wasn't any overt conflict. In fact, that was even a factor in the severity of my developmental trauma. I read recently that the most damaging kind of divorce 
is what is called the low conflict divorce. When everything seems fine, everybody's acting fine, nobody's yelling, nobody's hitting, nobody's visibly unhappy, and then suddenly we're getting divorced. It's like, well, then what makes sense? Then what can you right. count on in this so world? So there in your little, in your young head, you were like ambushed by it. Yes, yes. So it was a, 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 a deep wound and I lost my sense of security in the world. And I can see my insecurity running like a thread through all of my, especially my personal life choices, all the millions of guys I slept, not millions, of course, but too many. It was a form of self harm to go home with a guy I just met at a coffee house. And I mean, I could have been raped. I could have been killed. I could have gotten a disease. I'm lucky none of that ever happened, but it very well could have. If I saw a 19 year old doing those behaviors today, I would be gravely concerned. It sounds like you were looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes, like the song. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, honestly, part of my trauma was that I did not feel seen by my parents. My feelings were not seen. And honestly, my parents, though charismatic and lovely people, also had their own serious developmental trauma from their lives. So now that I'm an adult, how painful that period must have been for them. They must have been just barely hanging on to planet Earth. So they were too deep in their own pain to recognize and foreground my pain. And it's also just how it was in 1967. You know, the parents make the decisions, the kids go along like a suitcase. You know, so I, I'm not angry with them. They were in so much pain, they couldn't take care of my pain as well. So that's my job now. Right. Absolutely. And they didn't have in those days, it was like that. there wasn't a comfort level with therapy in those days either. No, no, there wasn't. I don't, I don't think my, I don't know if my parents went to a therapist. They might have, they did some sort of uh, avant-garde things. Uh, they they might've, but if they did, it obviously didn't work. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the thing is that part of my pain, I just have to add this, Irene, because your podcast is mostly focused on grief and rebirth. There is a heavy grief element to that developmental trauma that I experienced. And I only recently in the last, say, five years have become aware that of what I just said, that my pain is still in my body and I have to feel it. I was in a breathwork class a few years ago, and the focus was on our heart center, and we were breathing, you know, lots of people in a room. That does not happen anymore since COVID, but before COVID, I took a few breathwork classes, and I discovered my pain is this enormous purplish, brownish, oddly beautiful sort of nebula in my consciousness, and in that class, I just totally gave into it. And I was crying my guts out. I was ugly crying. And it was, it was oddly fabulous feeling. It felt so great to just dive into the grief, dive into the pain, notice it. What are its colors? What is its shape? What what is its name? Does it have a name? Just really focus on my pain like was never done before, even by myself. Yeah, so that yeah. was amazing. That's a, wow, that's amazing. Well, and um, that breath work, was that an adjunct to your Nia? 
No, it was unrelated. It It was just part of, it was not, uh, there was just a place near me that had meditation and breath work and stuff classes. And I thought, I want to learn more about that. And I took a class and it blew my mind. So that was was an amazing experience. So now, since you're so identified with Nia, Mm -hmm. let's find out what those initials stand for. What health and fitness modalities it combines that provide it's amazing. It's a, by the way, everyone, it's amazing. And it's a fun workout, uh, which is set to music. And you have a black belt in Nia's technique. Tell us about that too. (laughs) Well, good. Those questions all fit together nicely. When Nia was first invented in the early 1980s, two far-sighted deep thinking aerobics instructors invented it, a man and a woman named Debbie and Carlos. And they created Nia as a reaction against the harmful aspects of old style aerobics. There is a lot of impact, a lot of jumping up and down, a lot of boingy, boingy, boingy. And there wasn't uh, room for emotions. There wasn't, there was only room for a part of the emotional spectrum. The, you know, yeah, we're gonna do it, yahoo you know, rah, rah, no pain, no gain. But they noticed a high injury rate among aerobics instructors and among themselves. They noticed in their own bodies, I'm teaching 10 classes a week. Why don't I feel so fantastic? I feel like crap, in fact, why is that? And so they pooled their consciousness and they explored other movement forms. And they took pages from aspects of nine different movement forms and melded them together, stirred them together like ingredients in a soup to make Nia. The nine movement forms are three of the martial arts, namely Taekwondo, Tai Chi, and Aikido, three of the dance arts, namely uh, modern dance, jazz dance, and Isadora Duncan style freeform personal expression dance, and three of what they call the healing arts, yoga, Feldenkrais, and Alexander Technique. So elements of these nine movement forms, the most important aspects of them, what their goals are, what their philosophies are, what, their, what the movements feel like in your body, that was what they synthesized together to create the first ever hybrid movement form, Nia technique. They called it Nia because it originally stood for non-impact aerobics. Oh, see now, I, that's interesting. Now, they have abandoned that acronym in the many years since uh, because it seemed to be saying it was not this. And it, it's not literally no impact. You, you are standing, you're moving around. But they abandoned the non-impact aerobics uh, uh, acronym and others have been proposed. And my personal favorite is now I am. Now I am shaking my hands and feeling my hand bones. Now I am sinuously escurving my spine. Now I am walking assertively, you know, I, because Nia emphasizes sensation, sensing your body while moving. You know, Nia, what I also love about it is both men and women take it. Absolutely. Uh, you do see more women than men, not because that's how we want it. That's not how I want it. I want to share Nia with men too. Uh, I have um, about five to 10% men in my classes, uh, but all group fitness classes across the board are 90% or more women. 
I think it has to do with men's cultural pressure to do things right and not look like an idiot and appear strong and appear like they know everything and not take direction. I don't know what all, but but there's something that keeps men out of group fitness classes, especially the dancey ones. So Nia is like that. But I will say the men who do take Nia are amazing men, amazing men. They're actually a little more evolved, perhaps. You know, and comfortable <laughs> with themselves. What is a black belt in Nia? Um, Nia, one of the great things that I love about Nia and that made me commit to it whole hog is that uh, the founder of Nia, Debbie Rosas, has created these fantastic education programs. And it's more than just a certification there. She borrowed the belt system, the concept of the belt system from martial arts. And the first level of training is the white belt. Then you take your blue belt, brown belt, black belt, and there is now a first degree and a second degree black belt. Um, the reason those belts were created was because the creators of Nia had so much to share about how to live in a body, how to live a body-centered life, how to take care of, love your body, not just accept it, like reluctantly, grudgingly, because you have to, but actually love your body, how to dance through life, how to make every moment a sensory opportunity for pleasure. So these curricula build upon, each belt builds upon the last, and I love education. I'm a lifelong learner. I am hungry for learning of all kinds. And so the fact that Nia, unlike say Zumba, has such a rich multi-dimensional education program that I can take, had, was a big selling point for me. Yeah, that's great. And how do they choose the music, by the way, since we're talking about, because the music's great and really moves you. And uh, it, it, your whole body gets exercised, plus you're having fun. How, how do they choose that? And their programs, there's definite scripted programs with them, Correct. right? Correct. Correct. The NIA organization, one of the things that they do with the money that I and other NIA teachers pay, we have to pay an annual licensing fee, like you do with any movement mo hmm. modality, an annual fee, like a you know, license. And uh, they use that money in part to purchase the rights to neorific music, you know, music that is just perfect for Nia. And it's almost entirely by unknown or little known artists, A, because they're cheaper, but as important is because when you're dancing to music you don't recognize, it's better for your ability to sense your body. You're having a fresh experience in the moment and it's not associated with, oh yeah, I heard this song at my high school prom or, oh God, this is the breakup song from that boyfriend in the 1990s. Right, right, right. Right. There's no personal associations with most of this music, which enables sensation. So Nia pays for the rights, which helps to support the independent artists. It is mostly world music. It's very, it's not, it's very unlike the thumpa 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 sort of disco derivative music you hear in many group fitness classes in gyms. It's it's much more culturally variegated and rhythmic and rhythmically instrumentally interesting, which is part of what made right. it come alive right. for you. And then I pay Nia to access the right. routines. Nia organization has professional Nia choreographers recruited from the Nia training faculty who develop these beautiful routines, which are movements that are set to this music. 
and oh, all I even those remember, teaching. I even remember doing cha-cha steps. And, and absolutely, absolutely. We, we have a cha-cha step. And so my job as the teacher is to choose which routines I want to learn that fit my style and then learn them and then deliver them to my students. That's great. You want to tell us about the first time you listened to your body's voice in a NIA class and what it said to you? Absolutely. I would love to tell you about that. that I had been I had been taking Nia for, oh, I suppose a few months. And in one class, my teacher had us, uh, we were swaying back and forth and our hands, our palms were facing each other, but not touching. So almost as if there's a soap bubble between your palms. And she encouraged us to imagine that each hand was like a person, like a face. And by facing each other, they were looking at each other and having a dialogue. And as we were doing this gentle, easy movement, she encouraged us to listen and see if we could overhear what our hands were saying to each other. At that time, I was experiencing a little bit of a repetitive stress injury from computer work and misaligned ergonomics on my computer in my right uh, elbow, right? It wasn't carpal tunnel. It was something elbowy. And I, that happened to be going on at that time. And what I heard my hand say, my left hand said to my right hand, I will help you. And my right hand said to my left hand, I will teach you. Wow. And it, it inspired me to say, oh, maybe some of the things I currently do with my overworked right hand, I can teach my left hand to do. And my left hand will happily learn to help my right hand. And I did that. And my repetitive stress injury was healed a few weeks later. And it changed my life. That's fantastic. Wow. And then, then my other question is, how did this technique also help you to sense your consciousness in every cell of your body not just your head because that is another thing in so many modalities we're so head-centered yes indeed um and in my life i had been very head-centered because of my trauma i have put myself on a lifelong treadmill to earn approval and a way that i earned approval was by being very smart People say I'm very, very smart, you see. My teachers would say that. My parents loved it when my teachers said that. So I thought, aha, that's the way to earn love. That's what I have to do in order to not lose my other parent. I have to be really smart, really, really smart. And so, of course, I became an intellectual. I got my PhD. And during all through my 20s and 30s, I, 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 even though I exercised, and I even danced. I hadn't discovered Nia yet, but I was I was moving. I was I was using my body, but my consciousness felt that if you asked me where Paula was located in my body, I would have said that I, Paula, am above my neck. I am in my head because that's what's valuable about me. And my body was at that time kind of like a, a pedestal for my head, a roving pedestal to hold up the head and my hands are like two little paddles to shove in food and fuel the head. But it was all about my head. And through Nia, it was not overnight, but incrementally overtaking Nia over a period of months, I realized, and now it's years, now it's even more so, I now feel that every single cell is imbued with my, personal, my personality, my personal identity, my meanness is in every cell. I feel alive from tip to toes. I feel 
Paula is not more my brain than in my knees or my hips. It is a wonderful feeling to feel so alive, to be walking on bones with glittering gel clinging to the bones like I am my whole body. Sounds a little out there maybe, but it beats being a pedestal with a, hell on a, a head on top of it. I don't think it's so out there. I think it's wonderful that we're getting to a point in life now and we're talking about these things that we're not, that we can welcome outside the box. You know, that we're, that this is, it's not so confined. Um, I also want to know exactly how it helped you heal your childhood trauma through this movement and sensing your body. That started to happen very quickly, uh, very early in my relationship with Nia. Um, my teachers, I was blessed to have good Nia teachers and they emphasized often in the way they taught their class, sensing your body, not just do this, but see what it feels like to do this. Sense your arms while you do this. Sense the soles of your feet on the floor. And by being reminded and cued to sense my body, I discovered that that, that, that sensory data the information about what my body feels like today doing those moves is only available to me. Only I know what it feels like to be in my body doing these moves today. And that information cannot be refuted. It cannot be argued with. Nobody even, it's nobody's even business what my body feels like. And that gave me in my late 40s, I was 48 when I started Nia, amazingly 48, right? So late in life. That is so not too late. To hear. How, not often too late. You, how often were you dancing to Nia? When you I was dancing dance? once or twice a week at that time. I started at once a week and quickly went to twice a week. And you know, life interferes. Sometimes you can't make the one class, but you make the other. So let's say 1.5 classes a week. And it was not too many classes before I realized, oh my God, I am my body. I, and I began to develop a whole new body-based sense of self. I began to create for myself a sense of myself that I didn't get the opportunity to create when I was age appropriately four and five years old because of the trauma that I endured at that very time. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. How about telling everyone the top benefits of Nia? Um, I would say the number one benefit is that it injects joy into your life. Nia technique is designed specifically not just to burn calories or build skills, but to create a feeling that we call the joy of movement. We speak of movement, music, and magic that are created by our routines, our brilliant choreographers who create the movements in order to sense joy to this music. The movements relate to the music expressively. And so it is an expressive, imaginative journey that is designed specifically for joy to be the outcome. It is not a, it is not denial. It is not toxic positivity. Like, let's everybody feel joy now, yeah! No, it's not like that at all. It starts with sensing sense your breath going in and out and the music changes we do something else and it's all you're swept along on a magic carpet that brings most people joy and that is a very important benefit 
It is joy. Your capacity to feel joy is not infinite. It is like a muscle. When not used enough, you lose the ability to feel joy. The pleasure center of the brain needs practice in order to feel pleasure in life. So you can have all of your pain and your grief and your trauma. And you shouldn't be thinking, oh, well, once my pain and grief are all processed, then maybe I'll have time to feel joy. No, no. Joy is an uplift that can be felt in parallel to pain and that provides a healthy updraft in your healing process. That is the top benefit of Nia. Other benefits include, yes, fitness, wellness, Nia, uh, give, it, builds, um, uh, it builds sensations that we call the five sensations of fitness. That's a very important terminology because in gym classes, you're building skills like how many pounds can you lift? They're all right, quantifiable. I was just going to ask you like you have weight training right. and all how that. How many pounds have you lost? How many calories did you burn? How many pounds can you lift in this press and that press? But in Nia, we recast um, fitness as a set of sensations. And they're, we call them FAMS, F-A-M-S-S, flexibility, agility, mobility, stability, and strength. And by casting fitness as sensations, we empower the individual person to sense what, say, flexibility feels like in their body today. And then that empowers them to notice maybe five or six classes later, oh, I feel more flexibility as I do this move that I did five weeks ago and I felt different. And now I feel, I feel more of that sensation. So it is a subjectively self-judged, empowering progress that Nia provides. Agility, mobility, stability, strength, they're all, they all work the same. They are sensations, not objective measurements. You are the judge. That's interesting. So interesting. And I would imagine because trauma is stored in the body that through this movement, you get, you can release a lot of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unlike mainstream group fitness classes, all emotions are welcome in Nia. The music has a much wider emotional range than gym music, which is pretty much all upbeat. You know, tuku, 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 tuku. but in Nia, you've heard it, the incredibly varied and rich instrumentation and melodies from all over the world. It's so interesting. And that unfamiliar, slightly strange music invites expression of unpredictable kinds. The Nia teacher doesn't say, okay, everybody feel angry now. No, 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 never. It's just sense your emotions and do the moves in a way that expresses an emotion that you have no prescription of what that should be. Like, this is a happy song, so let's all feel happy, yay! None of that. It's all sensory-based. What do you feel in your body? And you're always welcome to cry. You're always welcome to be vulnerable. It is safe to be weird or vulnerable in Nia. Wow, that's so cool. You also offer a 90-minute graduate student wellness workshop that furthers your mission to heal shame, reveal hidden strengths, and promote professional development. What would you like to tell us about that? It seems like an odd mixture, doesn't it? And yet, 
Here's why I can do this. Um, prior to my becoming a full-time NIA teacher, I had a 20-year uh, career helping graduate students prepare for possible non-academic careers. Most people who go into a PhD program want and expect to have a chance to get a professorship at the end, they wanna become academics. But statistically, that is not likely to happen anymore because of changes, structural changes in the way the university system works. And so you have a lot of highly trained, very bright people who have put eight or 10 years into their PhD program coming out with no job at the end. And wow. they have tremendous feelings of shame and failure because the cultural message in the academic world is that you weren't good enough, you are at fault. The same message I now notice that I received from my trauma. Absolutely. Right? And that, absolutely. I mean, what I'm getting, and before you just finish your thought, but what I'm getting that Nia does is it really helps people accept themselves. Yes, it is deeply, profoundly self-accepting and it leads to self-love. Mm -hmm. So how I helped others while I was in grad school myself, I started an online uh, community for humanities graduate students who were interested in non-academic careers. Because back in 1999, when I started this, it was even a taboo subject to even talk about it. Wow. You would be shamed or ostracized for even talking about non-academic careers. Um, so I started a, uh, an online community which showed people right away, you are not alone. We are with you. There are good careers available to you that aren't at a university, et cetera. And that eventually built into a nationally visible business called Versatile PhD. Versatile PhD was a web-based career education service specifically for doctoral students, mm. helping them uh, learn what career options were available to them based on their academic discipline and ending their isolation and shame by putting them in a supportive community. So with that being said, that's what I did right before I became Nia. I, I've dropped that in order to become a, to devote myself to Nia. But now I can bring my experience with graduate student mental health and professional development into into I can harness the power of that with the power of Nia to create a 90 minute movement experience for doctoral students that helps wow. them learn how to sense their bodies and listen to their body's voice. And that's the professional development connection is that the listening to your body's voice acquaints you with your actual truth. Maybe your body's saying, you know, honestly, I really would rather do this other thing over here. And if you if you go with the academic culture's belief about the body, that the body doesn't matter, that we are just heads on pedestals with paddles sho shoveling food in, right? So we can do more research, right? Then the body doesn't have a voice in that view. But when you discover your body and discover that it has a voice, the body doesn't lie. Martha Graham said it first, the body never lies, whereas the mind lies all the time. So by helping graduate students sense their bodies, love their bodies, and listen to their bodies, I build their physical wellness, their emotional wellness, and their professional development by tuning them into their truth. That's fabulous. Now, I also want to know you have um, Nia classes on Zoom. So now everybody listening to this is saying, oh, she does this on Zoom, eh? So explain how members of our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience can access your classes 
And do you have a special offer for them today? I will, and I do. Uh, okay. I, I, I teach several ongoing weekly classes. Currently, it's at three. That might go up or down in the future, but right now it's three. And uh, all of my classes are on Zoom. And uh, my website co uh, converts the time to your time zone. So if it, so if it says 1 p.m., it's 1 p.m. for you. Um, there, I'm in the Pacific time zone. I'm in Los Angeles. I teach from my home studio, which oddly is perfect for Nia. Prior to the pandemic, I was teaching in person in studios here in Los Angeles. But when the pandemic came, I realized it wasn't going to be over in five minutes and I was going to have to teach on Zoom or else not teach at all. And so I reluctantly, because I'm no great lover of technology, but I reluctantly got onto Zoom and I loved it. I couldn't believe how much pleasure, how much pleasure I was able to give and receive even through the Zoom medium. And my, my guest unit that we had recently built as a guest unit was a perfect Zoom studio. So I'm all equipped and I don't plan to go back to regular in-person classes. I'm on Zoom to the end. So, so now a person goes on your website and mm -hmm. they wanna take your classes. They mm -hmm. wanna take classes with Paula. So they can actually have as if they were taking a regular class in the studio It's a certain time they sign up for that class. Is that yes. what happens? Well, the first step is visiting my website, www.paulachambers.me, paulachambers.me. And on that website, you can learn more about me and about Nia and stuff. Uh, but click one of the big loud book now buttons and you will see my upcoming class schedule. All of my classes are on Zoom. And so anyone can experience them from anywhere in the world. And the website converts it to your time zone. I'm in Los Angeles, but it'll show you your time. And you pick a time that's available for you and uh, give it a whirl. Register and you'll have to agree to my waiver and all that. Uh, blah, 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 like you normally would expect. You don't need much space necessarily to participate. About eight by eight square feet of uh, clear floor space is adequate and you don't need any special clothing and any person at any fitness level, any ability level can participate, including people who are in a chair or who use a wheelchair. Wow, is that cool? And, and, do, they wear, and do you recommend that people wear sneakers or they go barefoot? Oh, barefoot. Nia technique barefoot. is preferably done barefoot unless you, for some reason, can't go barefoot. You have to wear a special orthotic or whatever that is. That's all fine. But when in doubt, go barefoot. Because why? Because it helps you sense your feet on the floor, sense the muscle bones of your feet as you move. Wow. My special offer for your audience is they can have a free Nia class if they get on my site and book a single class using discount code IRENE capital I, lowercase R-E-N-E, -E, Irene. So if they mention your name, they get a- they get it. That's, that's great. I'm all for that. Thank you so much. And I think that a lot of people will take advantage of that. That's a wonderful so. offer. Thank you, Paula. So the other thing I love that you do is several times a year, you offer special personal growth classes designed to help self-transformation through movement. Would you like to tell us about some of the topics you cover and how a person can access these and how that works? Yes, the access method is exactly the same. Book on my website, show up on Zoom at the appointed time. The topics that I cover uh, are all just inspirations that I have received from my spirit. For example, we are conducting this interview the Friday before Mother's Day. So in two days, it's Mother's Day. I have a Mother's Day class that is a special class. It is, I call it the self-mothering dance. Um, many of us 
well, who, whose mother was perfect? Nobody's. Who, who's perfect as a but mother? No one. There's always some gap, always something we didn't get from our mothers. And some of us actually did have terrible mothers. And there was a lot we didn't get from them. So whether your mother is absent physically or mentally, or whether you have a complicated mother relationship that maybe makes Mother's Day a little bit of a mixed bag for you, that's the population for this special class. On Mother's Day, I teach a class which, in which we use movement to give to ourselves the mothering that we still want and need. It doesn't mean we think our mothers were terrible. It just means we are taking that responsibility over now for ourselves. Because really, who better than us, the adult person, to supply our own needs? We must be self-sufficient now that we're no longer children. So we learn in this class, we have an experience that actually helps heal our mother wounds. Other special classes have included uh, at uh, on the Day of the Dead, I offered a class where we dance with our dance to honor our ancestors. Very powerful, very moving. On Thanksgiving, I often offer a gratitude class, class all about expressing gratitude for all the many things we have to be thankful for in our lives. And in the spring, I offer a spring cleaning dance where the theme is, is out with the old and in with the new. We discard, we, we, we envision and physically jettison unneeded toxic beliefs and habits and practices and relationships in our lives. And relationships, I was going to ask you about that. And yes, toxic that relationships too. too right? Toxic anything. We purge toxic anything and make room for new growth of new ways of being. That's wonderful. And I love this. Tell me, please, what is Paula your joy audit? And what are your tips for finding joy in life? Well, I have a very simple process that I've done to great effect in my life. For two weeks or four weeks, if I can stand it, I write down every moment during the day when I had joy. I do it in the evening, you know, when the day's pretty much over. And I write down whatever joy I experienced that day. If I didn't experience any, I don't write anything down. But it's important to capture every moment of joy honestly no agenda, no editing, no judging, just say when you felt joy and be honest about it. And do this for two to four weeks and you will learn a lot about what actually does and doesn't bring you joy. And then after, when you have that data that only you know, then you can make decisions about, gee, how can I make a little adjustment in my lifestyle to allow for more of those things that give me joy and maybe decrease the things that drain my joy. That's the joy audit. Sounds, sounds to me like a perfect solution. And also it brings gratitude, which I yes. think is marvelous because if you're focusing on the joy instead of all the negative things in your life, you're going to start feeling grateful for what exactly, you have. Exactly, exactly. If, if your assignment is to write down every moment that you felt joy, very soon you're going to notice them better. That's great. Paula, Nia Technique Mindful Dance Fitness has you dancing through life, feeling your feelings, listening to your body's voice, and speaking your truth. I'm sure many in our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience are now eager to benefit from your Nia classes, as well as your wonderful personal growth classes. Thank you from my heart 
for this inspiring interview that has illuminated the healing and rebirth that has come to you and others from the amazing fun workout set to music called Mia. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all grief and rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to Grief and Rebirth Podcast on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and hit notify so you'll get all these inspiring and insightful new interviews like this one with Paula coming your way. And if you'd like to be part of this rebirth series, please send me an email to hello at ireneweinberg.com. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. <laughs>